You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 300th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 958th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of July 20th, 2023, but let the record show that we started three minutes late, and Phil, we apologize for that. That is our fault, but thank you for sticking with us. Uh, I'm your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. Well, for this week's Banner Moment, let's hit the recruiting trail, where things are starting to get real for the class of 2024 with the Peach Jam now in the rearview mirror. And while not all of the recruiting news this week was positive for IU, namely Flory Badunga naming a top four that doesn't include the Hoosiers, one of Indiana's other top targets has already scheduled his senior year official visit to Bloomington. That is Liam McNeely. Now, for those of you who don't pay close attention to recruiting, McNeely is a versatile 6'7 wing who is originally from my current neck of the woods here in Dallas-Fort Worth. He transferred to Montverde Academy last season and will play there again this season as well alongside several other IU targets. He is currently rated number eight overall by 24-7, a five-star recruit with a rating of 98 And while outside shooting has been his calling card, what makes Liam such a desired recruit is his ability to do a little bit of everything on offense. He can score at three levels, he can create, he can rebound. In other words, he's the type of player Indiana just hasn't really had many of across these last few decades. Now, he will be visiting Bloomington September 8th through the 10th, and if you're looking for a little insight on where his recruitment sits right now, I offer you this excerpt from an article that friend of the show Rob Cassidy of Rivals posted on Thursday. Quote, McNeely's recruitment has felt like a Texas versus Indiana battle for some time, but the Hoosiers are starting to seem like the steady force in what has been a volatile process at times. Texas felt like the early favorite before the dismissal of former head coach Chris Beard, who had forged a strong relationship with the five-star forward. The period of uncertainty in Austin allowed Mike Woodson and his staff to seize the lead in the race to land McNeely. So while new UT head coach Rodney Terry has helped the Longhorns claw back into the thick of things, the fact that McNeely is planning a second official visit to Bloomington in early September suggests the stalwart Hoosiers may be out in front as summer gives way to fall. McNeely has set no timetable for an announcement, but at least for the time being, he feels like I used to lose, unquote. Now, this is just a snapshot of how one recruiting analyst feels on July 20th, but it does jibe with what other analysts have written and certainly what we've heard behind the scenes. If Mike Woodson can close McNeely, not only would he put some of the worries to rest about his ability to succeed in longer recruitments with high school prospects, many feel like it would represent the first domino in what could be, could be, an epic recruiting haul for the Hoosiers. Indiana remains in hot pursuit of fellow Montverde attendee and top 10 prospect Derek Queen, as well as the trio of top 25 lead guards we've mentioned before, Dylan Harper, Boogie Fland, and Jaden Mustaf. Any combination of McNeely, Queen, and one of the guards would equate to one of the best Indiana basketball recruiting classes of all time. 
Top 50 wing Austin Schwartz also recently announced a senior year official to Bloomington, which will occur in August, and there are expected to be others. Bottom line, all of the speculation and optimism about Indiana's potential haul in the class of 2024 is about to start turning into actual results as players take their final official visits and start to make commitments. So we're about to see how much Indiana staff can capitalize on the hard work it has put into the class of 2024. And a commitment from McNeely, especially early in the process, would be just about the most important development IU's fans and coaches could hope for. All right, now let me introduce my co-host this week. Andy is off. He is there without air conditioning. Man, and the weather that we're having across the country, being without air conditioning, I texted him. I said, we can be your AC, but that didn't really seem to do much for him. Jared, that's just... (laughs) Different kind of AC he was missing, I guess. Yeah, I know. Um, Anyway, here with me, we have a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana. He's the founder of Delphi Bracketology, and he is the owner of one of the best IU-themed man caves in the greater Tippecanoe and Carroll County area. He is... The coach. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach, and it's Tonsoni time. Boom. It's Tonsoni time, coach. What's on your mind? Glad you could join us, uh, not, by the way. It was a little, oh a little touch God. and go there for a second. <laughs> I, I realized at uh, 8.57, you know, I had... Uh, uh, I had to be on the show as I'm moving stuff around down here, uh, redoing the man cave a little bit. So I wanted to be like Ryan and, and, and put Richie's, you know, assembly call clock up. I had to find room and looks so, good up there. Uh, a- Amy and I are in the middle of, uh, redoing all three floors uh, of the house and the bathroom. So quite the turmoil, uh, around here a little bit. We're doing the man cave cause it really doesn't matter. And then professionals are doing the, the rest of the. <laughs> rest of the house but uh <laughs> no as far as indiana goes uh just always excited to start seeing some of the recruiting news come in and I, i'm that guy that i'll wait until th- they sign it, it's interesting i think uh when we talked about recruiting momentum a couple of weeks ago uh, that looks different and and we have to define that in a special way so i think indiana's recruiting is fine right now we're we're in with a lot of good uh, talented young men. We just need to finish, and I think we're, we're going to be okay. Got a little bit of intel about how uh, summer workouts are going on through a friend of a friend, so I, I don't know how valid it is. But the takeaway that, that I had is the team really bonds with Coach Woodson, uh, that they, they look at him like a father figure. They don't mind when he gets on them. And there was a case a couple of weeks ago where he put them all in the locker room and really got on them. And the comment from my source was, and they love it. I mean, hmm. they don't love it while they're going through it, but they, they love it because they look, uh, he's earned that trust. And I think that's very, very important in college coaching. Uh, obviously, winning and going further in the tournament and winning Big Ten titles will cement all of that. But it's good to know that your head coach is, is really building those relationships with the players. You see that with TJD and what he's said. He's come back after you know, summer league and, and Jalen Hood Shafino, that just feels good. It feels, uh, kind of like what we need at Indiana basketball. So that little Intel from, uh, a friend of a friend was kind of nice. Uh, all the details I kind of throw out with a grain of salt, uh, because it's passed down two or three ways, but the overall vibe is they're working hard. Uh, and there is a, a bond and appreciation within the program and that will elevate any program. 
Excellent. All right. Also here with me, he is a senior writer for the big lead. He's the world's most underemployed shot doctor. And he's a man who, it should be pointed out, is single at the same time as the newly single Sofia Vergara, who I have heard is attracted to men who frequently interrupt her with obscure Tony Gwynn hitting factoids. So now's your chance, Ryan. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Does Sofia Vergara know who Tony Gwynn is? Who isn't attracted to somebody who interrupts them with obscure Tony Gwynn hitting facts? Everybody. I mean, Everybody. that's, <laughs> I mean, it's just, that's my calling card. Um, it's your party trick. Yep. <clears throat> know them all. I will not bore you with them. That's another podcast. Um, you know, I, I think the the news that I you know uh, was attracted to the most this week was was Flory Bedinga not putting IU in his final four, which I, I don't, if you know anything about how this recruitment started, how it went and how it ended, it wasn't that surprising. I, I think there were just the relationships just weren't there at the places they needed to be. And some of that is Indiana on Indiana. And some of that is on the people around Flory Bodega. I would expect him to pick Duke uh, unless Kansas just overwhelms with an NIL offer. He's been a Duke fan. It seems for a long time and was essentially waiting for that offer. It felt like, and as soon as he did, I think that that's, that's what everybody overwhelmingly thinks he's headed there. Um, good luck to him. What do you understand? He's a good kid. You know, Indiana's not the place for him. I do think that pattern of Indiana not locking down the top player. And so you don't need to only recruit in Indiana. I'm not one of those people. It's like, well, if you recruit Indiana, well, you'll be fine. Not necessarily. Um, we've had coaches do that and not win consistently, but I do think plucking the top player when he's a top, when he's a five-star from Indiana at Indiana is very important. And so this he is a couple grow up in, in Indiana, though. So it's a little no, but but still, others. it's he's in your backyard. It's easy to go visit him. You know what I mean? And it's easy to establish that relationship. And you need to. And the other thing is, you get better evaluations on him than anybody else because you have the connections in the state and you see it coming before he blows up. They didn't really get on Flory until he blew up. And I, I this is the second year in a row. This will be the second class in a row where they don't get the top player from Indiana. Um, I think that a, one thing in their favor is that. This group, you know, kind of got into some things late uh, with guys in these classes, and they're doing much better with the 25 class uh, as far as uh, locally. But, you know, that's a big deal. And, and symbolically, to not be in it at the end is, is rough. Um, that said, I, I agree with you guys on the recruiting. I think they're going to end up with a really good class, you know, if some of those guys who you listed commit, and they're in on a lot of top guys this year. Uh, so I, I don't think it'll in the end matter a whole lot, but I do think symbolically to not get the top guy you're going for in your own state is tough when it's Indiana, because the, this program is supposed to, supposed to have such a hold on people in the state. Clearly that's fallen off with the last 20 years of, you know, up and down futility and all of that stuff. But, you know, it's a reminder that as good as things are, Indiana is a long way from being back uh, to who, you know, we all want to the program. We all want them to be, I think it's on the right track, but we got, there's still a lot of work to do. And so that was a quick reminder for me of that, no matter how good things are going and, and how positive the momentum is and how much talent you have. It's a reminder that you're not on that Duke, Kansas level yet. And you're probably a long way from getting there, but 
keep on this track and you might get there, but they need to start having deep runs. They need to start doing those things to be on the radar for these top players. So uh, that was just kind of, you know, the thing that stood out to me this week is all right. Indiana had two guys drafted featured heavily in summer league played well, all that positive stuff, but still a long way to go. Yep. All righty. Well, here's what we have in store this week. Uh, We'll run through a few Hoosier headlines and then we are opening it up. It is AMA mailbag time. We got a bunch of good questions from community members, a bunch of good questions on Twitter, many of them dealing with IU basketball and many of them dealing with other topics. And so we'll hit all the IU basketball stuff first. And then if you want to hang around for a more expansive conversation about other topics, stick with us and we'll try to have some fun with it. But all of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. First, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. This edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel, where they just never stop releasing new schools, updating the schools they have, and coming out with cool new stuff. I just saw them this week. They announced this pennant collection that they're doing, where you can sign up uh, and get, I don't even know all the details of it, but they have really cool um, Indiana pennants. I have one of them, and now they're going to start doing them for other schools. And so like they've done with their other subscription services, you can sign up and you'll get sent some of these pennants so that if you are putting up a man cave and you want to have a lot of cool sports memorabilia in there, you'll be able to do it. And it's just another example of home field kind of pushing the envelope and expanding what they're doing. And what's great, you know, with home field, no matter what they do, you know that it's going to be high quality materials, you know, whether they're doing a hat or a quarter zip or a pennant or a shirt, whatever it is, it's going to be really, really high quality stuff. So you're going to get a lot of value for your money and they're going to put a really cool, unique logo or brand mark on it that you may not have seen in a while or that is a classic one that is just beloved by a particular school. And so it just makes it so interesting. They're great conversation starters. And, you know, like so many of us that came up through the Kelly School of Business, uh, you know, their warehouse is right there in Indianapolis. So it's a great company to support. We appreciate their support over the years, and we recommend that you check them out. You can do that at homefieldapparel.com. And when you go there, you can use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, and you will get 15% off your first order. So once again, the website, homefieldapparel.com, promo code HOME for 15% off. Wear one for the team. All right, well, let's roll through some Hoosier headlines. First off, some congratulations are in order as Anthony Leal and Miller Kopp both earned NABC Honors Court recognition. (laughs) Applause to those guys taking their studies seriously. Uh, NABC Honors Court is juniors, seniors, or grad students with a GPA of 3.2 or higher. So congratulations to those guys for doing that. Uh, As far as recruiting goes, we talked about Flory. We talked about Liam's official visit coming in September. Uh, Boogie Fland also released his top eight or his final eight. No surprise that Indiana was involved there. Um, You know, it feels like that is one that Indiana will be in till the end, but there's a lot of heavy hitters uh, in his final eight. So be looking for uh, when and if he schedules a senior year official visit. Austin Schwartz um, scheduled his official visit. Really good shooter. Um, so be on the lookout for that. And then the other bit of information is Jalen Harrelson, who had played at Fishers, uh, is transferring to La Lumiere, uh, the prep school for his final two years of high school basketball. And I know folks in Indiana who love high school basketball have mixed feelings about that. Yep. He's going to La Lou. Kanan Catchings is going to Overtime Elite. So two of the top players in Indiana going to prep schools. But that's just the way that these things go now. 
Um, you know, I asked around as far as, you know, people thinking, you know, how does this impact Indiana's recruitment of Jalen? Most people say it's just kind of neutral. He's still going to be there in the state because Lalu is there. Um, and Indiana has been in on him as much as anybody. So yeah. Indiana you know. does not tend the re- the concern just to clarify is Indiana has not landed a ton of kids from yes. Lalu. Have they ever landed somebody from there? I don't know. I in the past, like ten years, I can't Not think a high of profile one that I can think. They send of. a lot to like Michigan State, Purdue, Notre Dame. It seems, um, and nationally, they go all over the country because a lot of kids from outside the state go there. But yeah, Indiana does not have a great track record recruiting Lalu. So, yeah, that's the concern. That is, it's worth worth watching. But Indiana's in a great position uh, with him yeah. and with Trent Sisley moving forward. So, got to land him. You know, no one you don't hang banners for being in a good position with recruits in July. Um, but again, I think you know if you're just kind of taking the temperature of recruiting for future high school classes in 2024 and 2025, there's a lot of positive things happening right now. Which, as Coach said, we need to see turn into actual commitments. Uh, let's talk, by the way, also congratulations to Trace Jackson Davis and Mackenzie Holmes. They were named, uh, the 2023 IU athletes of the year. Uh, do you guys have any quibbles with those selections on the men's or women's side? I think those are two excellent suggestions. Trace, you know, a no brainer. I think Mackenzie Holmes, you might be able to argue for like a Grace Berger or someone else on the women's basketball team. Um, but I think recognizing the great season that they had with that individual award makes a ton of sense to me. So congratulations to both of them. Yeah, I think that's the obvious choice for both. Yeah. And then the last thing I want to discuss a little bit is just some final summer league thoughts. Um, You know, Jalen and Trace both finished up. Uh, Jalen finishes with 14 points, two rebounds, three assists, and a steal per game, roughly. Shooting numbers were not good. 34% uh, from the field, 22% from three, 57% from the free throw line. Um you don't want to make too big a deal about summer league numbers. Uh, and I think Jalen did a lot of good things and had some good moments in games. But some of the concerns about how his game would translate to the NBA, I don't think he answered those in summer league, you know, with the shooting and with some of the offense. Um, and just, Ryan, based on, you know, what the Lakers have done with their roster, it feels like a pretty safe bet that he'll probably spend most of the year in the G League. Would you? Yeah, I, w- you I would. I would. If he's not there starting the season and for at least half the season, I, I I would be shocked. Um, but I think that, that that was kind of the plan for him. They're trying to compete for the Western Conference title. They're not, you know, tanking and, and giving guys time. I think Max Christie will probably be on the roster. He would I mean they basically did the same thing with him last year. They put him in the G League, let him develop. They like where he's at as a bench rotation guy, hopefully to eventually take over a starting spot. Um so I think it's kind of the same thing with Jalen. He'll have a chance. They also, you know, added Gabe Vincent, so that takes away that second unit point guard spot. I think, uh, yeah, I think that was always the case with Jalen. I think this is a long term play. You don't draft a guy off of his freshman year and expect him to start in the NBA right away or play a lot of minutes in the NBA right away, unless you're a super ridiculous, you know, like Zion or someone like that who comes out and and can can do that. So Jalen's going to have to learn how to run the point as a professional. Um, I think he looked really good from a ball handling and passing perspective. You did see the 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 uh, you know some careless turnovers or whatever, but it was always in trying to do something positive. He wasn't just guiding the ball away. But the shot is the issue. The shot's the issue. I think he shot really low from the free throw line. He shot fifty seven percent from the free throw. I think that that's an aberration. Uh, the three pointers when he stepped into them looked good, just didn't all go down. He was way off. Remember, he's got to adjust to the new distance. Uh, which I think is yep. going to affect him. And 
Yeah, he didn't finish the rim particularly well, but he was making more of an effort to do that. And his pull-up game is still still incredibly strong. Um, you know, he missed some shots there, but again, he's playing against longer, quicker defenders than he's ever played against. So it's all of those things. Yeah. It's a transition, you know, from high school to college is big. The transition from college to the NBA is exponentially bigger. And he's doing that transition from high school to the NBA in a year and a half, you know, so it, it's just going to take some time. Uh, I thought he looked comfortable, you know, around guys his own age, essentially. Uh, but I think that just the the technical side, the shot, uh, and and some of the the you know running the offense and things like that, he'll he'll have to get better at. Coach, did you have any yeah, Jalen observations before we get to Trace? I I just watched a, a a little bit, but he did look comfortable in playing. And the one thing yep. we always thought about Jalen is he understands the game, uh, and, and he'll have things he'll need to work on. And the shooting is going to have to be the number one priority for him to maximize what he does in the league. But he understands how to play. And and the other thing is, too, is when you get out of summer league, now you have a role, and you're playing with even better players. So what's his role? Is he going to be a volume shooter like he was in the summer league? No, he's going to have to be able a threat, and he's going to have to hit Mm -hmm. shots. But if he can orchestrate an offense and guard, uh, when his time is right, he'll play in the G League, but when his time is right, there may be uh, a a place for him at the end of the year or, as Ryan said, down the road. But I I think he will have a a good career in the NBA, but the shooting will determine how high uh, he plays. He just plays with such a – you know, a smooth, comfortable – The pace is so long. Yeah. And I think that's going to end up playing uh, in, in the NBA uh, for for Jalen. But yeah, I thought he had a, a good a good summer. Selfishly, he, I kind of wanted to play in the G League because the Texas Legends are right up the road <laughs> to go see him play. You know, honestly, I'll tell you what. And Jared, you've been to G League. G League games are fun, man. Yeah, they're they are up and down. They're fast. Like if you have a chance to go yep. to see a G League game, basketball. go. It's you know the the there's more talent than ever in that yes. league, and because they're incentivizing guys staying here instead of going to Europe. But the games are high scoring. They're energetic. There's not a whole lot of defense. It's it's just guys showcasing. But and guys play off. hard though. But they not do, yeah. I was gonna say. Hard. But it's not an AAU tournament. Right. You know where guys dog it. It's just it's more heavily emphasized on offense and shooting and and getting up and down. It's a lot. Of, it's like watching two groups of the Warriors in their heyday playing each other. That's essentially what it is. Let's be up honest. Down. NBA doesn't really start playing real defense until the playoffs consistently. No. Like sometimes Absolutely in the fourth not. quarters you'll get it, but. So a, a big games, yeah. Yes. No, and the I, leagues. And so, u- go ahead. The yeah. leagues using the G League differently too. They're putting players they like down there. It's not just. Yes. Uh, a, yeah. It's not just a minor league for people who weren't good enough. They're no, utilizing. No, it's not guys that you so you're, you're not. League. You're not for sitting playing six minutes a game. 30s. Yeah, it was yeah. a long yeah. time. It was guys in their 30s who were trying to hang on and come back. Now it's draftees from the last couple years who teams actually want to get something out of playing. To get some reps and, instead of sitting on the bench. Right. Yeah, it's a lot right. like a triple A kind of thing for baseball. It's like you're going to get pl- – yeah. you might get plucked up in two weeks if there's an injury, you know, and so you have to be ready. Um, I'll say this, too, about Jalen. I, I think the, the Lakers drafted him with a long-term vision in mind. They didn't draft him for help immediately, and, and they could have gotten a guy who was like a three-year player who could shoot or something like that if they wanted that. Lakers see something in him. But guards have to be able to shoot in the NBA now. There's no, there's no, there's no more Jason Kidd. Well, if you provide some other things, very rare for that to happen. Jason Kidd could shoot by the end of his career. By the end of his career, (laughs) but early in his career, he had a horrible jumper, and so he's, 
yeah, he's going to have to be able to catch and shoot threes. Everybody's got to be able to shoot threes in the NBA now. Um, but I would say that it, it, he has to get there and, and, and he'll continue to work on, he'll continue to work on the distance. I will say his body looked fantastic. He looked like he'd gained weight through the draft process, gotten bigger, gotten stronger. Um, and I think he was a little bit quicker too, which is something that was important because yep. his first step at Indiana was a good big 10 first step, but didn't look like it would be an NBA first step. So he's getting quicker, all of that. Yeah. And you know, one thing about the shooting numbers, one of those games, they played the Warriors and just got absolutely blitzed and they were playing without Max Christie, who had been their yeah. leading scorer. And so Jalen kind of got shoved back into his Indiana role where it's like, well, he just has to take some shots. And he no, and he and Christie developed shots, a little bit so. of chemistry too. I, I yeah. thought they started playing well together. Christy, he's got a chance to be in their rotation this year. Based yeah, on how and, he's and Colin, he looked good running the pick and roll with Colin Castleton, too, the kid out of yep. Florida who was a two-way for the Lakers yep. um, who will be up and down as a center who can you know really do some things. But he looked, you know, it looked like he was back with Trace running that pick and roll. Uh, it made some really nice plays out of that. Speaking of Trace, let's talk about him. He had a limited uh, summer league experience nursing an injured hamstring and, you know, Golden State, they have high hopes for him being in the rotation this year. And so they weren't going to rush it. Uh, he played two games, averaged 16 points, eight boards and assists, one and a half steals, one and a half blocks. Um, again, the numbers, you know, aren't as important to me. You know, what I saw and, you know, it was nice to kind of get this backed up by some Warriors people uh, who wrote about this as well. I thought Trace looked, he didn't have the same quickness that he normally has. Like he looked a little heavier footed than we've seen. And maybe that's just because of the injury and, you know, who knows. But I thought the decision making was as quick as we've seen from him. And that's going to be the biggest thing for him playing in Golden State. You got to make quick decisions. You have to know before you get the ball, where where's it going? You know, am I taking a dribble this way to set up a pass? Am I, you know, just getting rid of it right away? And I thought his decisions about when to screen and when to slip, when to drive, when to pass, were as on point as we've seen from him. Um, you know, and part of that is just kind of playing in, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, obviously a different system that he was in college. But, you know, it's so interesting, Coach, because I really thought Trace's first couple years, I, I wouldn't have described him as a player with a high basketball IQ necessarily. You know, I thought he was a guy that could do a lot of things with his athleticism. And when he was playing hard, he could just overwhelm you. And I thought what we saw in the two years under Mike Woodson is just a steady improvement of his ability to read the game and make quick decisions on offense and defense. And I thought, you know, watching him in those two games, I really saw it. And again, that's what he's going to need to do. And if he can do that and keep himself healthy, I think he's got a legit chance to be an eighth, ninth, tenth man for the Warriors this year, you know, and play behind Draymond Green and Kevon Looney and give them big minutes. So I was really impressed with what I saw from him. And I assume as he gets his body back in shape, he'll get some of that bounce and quickness back. Well, what he did well was all the athletic stuff, the the rim running, the offensive rebounding, the, the and he's going to fit fill a role when you got so many other good players around, and you're playing out of the dunker spot, and and you're doing some you know pick and rolls. I thought he did looked really good. I do agree with you that he looked a little thick. Um, and, uh, not as athletic as we saw at at the height of his senior season, but, uh, he might've had to take some time off. And again, the speed of the game, uh, may be so different that he was uh, thinking a little bit early, but that, that first possession of his, uh, NBA summer league, where he got an assist, then he got a block, then he come down and missed a bunny, but he, he made the right read on a slip, uh, into the post. Those are the things that the Warriors will want to see. And if he can provide that, 
that's where someone like him is probably better than some of the big guys, the post-up guys, the non-athletic guys that didn't get drafted, uh, the post mm-hmm. players, the, you know, Sheebways and, and some Timmy. of those. Because, yeah, because um, he was able, under Woodson, to bring the ball up, to initiate the break, to pass off the high post uh, and do some of those things. So maybe that added to, you know, his repertoire that he can bring to the NBA. But, yeah, it looks like he's going to have a spot uh, at the back end of the rotation uh, and that's uh, that's good for him. Ryan, any final thoughts on Trace's summer league performance? Yeah, I wish I would have gotten to see a little bit more of him. Obviously, he had the injury, but um, would be nice to see what he can do. I'll, I'll keep an eye on him in training camp, see if, how he's fitting into that offense and, and how they're using him. That'll be interesting to see how with the rest of the team, you know, not just the rookies and, and second-year guys, how they actually use him and, and how they're going to deploy him. Are they going to do basically what they do with Draymond and try and do that, or are they going to use you know him in different ways? So that's what I'll be looking for. It's, it was really hard to get a gauge in two games from him. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what moves uh, forward. I, I would love for him to just as a rookie come in and just be an energy guy, not have to worry about numbers, not have to worry about shooting, don't worry about anything, just be an energy guy, block shots from the weak side, grab rebounds. When you get the rebound, start the break. You know, he's become a really good passer. You can pass it up on the break. Uh, and then, you know, lob threat and pick and roll guy. That's, I mean, that's, that's all he needs to do and, and hopefully develop his game every day while he's just doing that on the court. I mean, if he didn't take shots at Indiana because it was in the offense's best interest for him not to shoot, How's it going to be in Golden State? He's got staff around him and Clay and all these other guys. So it's just, it's a great spot for him. Uh, and we'll continue to recommend our friend Damon Bruce out there in the Bay Area, just launched his own podcast. We did an episode with him a couple back if you look in the archives, if you missed it. But he is like the official uh, Trace Jackson Davis correspondent for all of us IU fans. He's an IU grad, has covered the Warriors for 25 years. Uh, and so he'll have a lot of good insight about Trace as we go forward. Any other headlines, guys, that you saw this week that we missed? I think that's pretty much most of them. A slow it. July week. <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. Um, all right. Well, coming up here on Assembly Call Radio, it is time to dive in to your questions. Y'all submitted a bunch of good ones, and so we will kick it off answering your specific questions about Indiana basketball, and then we will slowly morph into some different questions, but we'll have some fun. Stick with us. All right. Hello, everybody. Good to see you all, including Phil, even though he was heckling us. But you know what? There are standards here, and we were like three or four minutes late. So if this was – if Bill Mallory That's was my in bad. chat, Bill Mallory would have left and told us not to start the show at all since we weren't 15 minutes early. So it's fine. I get it. We can, we can handle that. And Phil, Somebody right. was here early and had enough time to restart everything. Hmm. And imagine if, was, if you were the only one here, nothing would have happened because you can't host the show. That's absolutely true. <laughs> so you being I here moved really, doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> had to uh, move my beer fridge back in the other side of the thing. Oh, no. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. 
If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, what you were doing was very it. important, Coach. Don't let me don't yeah, let me and, integrate and, you. That, <laughs> I agree. I'm with that. Uh, Lost track funny. of time, Phil. My bad. That's yeah, okay. It's all good. He's probably sleeping now. He's so old. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's here for the banner moment, and then he goes he's he goes out. to bed. <laughs> he picks up the rest on, on Apple Podcast. <laughs> oh, that's great. That is great. All right. Well, let's jump into these questions. Oh, and look at that. The first one is from Phil. <clears throat> so there we go. There we go. Okay. Hey, guys. It's Gene Steratore, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know I have never listened to the assembly call, and to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen, make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon. Jeez. Ryan really took it personal this week, the, the Gene, the Gene Steratore criticism. He just bounced on us. Uh, welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and Ryan is with us. Uh, looked like he just got a text from somebody important. So we'll see. Uh, maybe he's got some news to break when he comes back. Uh, but real quick, before we get to the questions, a few back home network items to discuss. Uh, we'll continue to promote our new show, Right Up Meridian, uh, with Scott Caulfield and Tony Adrania. Check that out. And speaking of Tony Adrania, we are now doing a weekly uh, paid newsletter, the IU Film Room, which is just terrific. It's excellent film breakdowns uh, by Tony. Um, and so you can learn more about that at join.assemblycall.com. And then our friends at Doing the Work, Jeff and Kathy, uh, they interviewed Lene Beaumont a couple of weeks ago, the incoming freshman from Texas. This week, they talked to Josh from Hoosier Ticket Project. Always doing interesting stuff over there. And happy birthday to Kathy. It's her birthday today. So we wish her a wonderful day, uh, her and Sean. Hope they have a good one. Um, all right, let's hop into these questions here. And we'll start with Phil, who says, Now that my hometown prospect, Flory Badunga, has broken my heart, what is the outlook for a Derek Queen Liam McNeely tandem at IU to soften the blow? So, what I would say about that is, you know, Indiana, by all accounts, seems to be in a really good position with Derek Queen. And most people who you talk to think it's right now a two-horse race between Maryland and Indiana. Not that other teams couldn't get in there, and he may take other visits, 
but a lot of people seem to think that those are the two big ones. And Queen is the number six overall player in the country. And he's, you know, more of a below the rim type center, but just incredibly skilled, incredibly productive, uh, an incredible passer, has great touch, good rebounding. And so, you know, he's never going to be the big lob threat that Trace was, but he's a guy who can just do so many things. And you can kind of envision him getting in a college strength and conditioning program, getting his body right, and maybe being able to unlock even more. And so there are certainly some concerns there about who's the rim protector if your center is Derek Queen. But I think you deal with that because of everything that he brings you offensively. So, you know, those are two extremely important recruits. And what's great is they are teammates at Montverde. And so that's why, it's one of the reasons why if Indiana is able to land Liam McNeely, you feel much better about their chances to land Derek Queen and the fact that Malik Renew and Jalen Hutchifino speak so highly about their experience uh, and the fact that I think a guy like Derek Queen is going to be able to see the gains that Trace Jackson Davis made, it makes a lot of sense why Indiana would be an attractive option to him. And so what is the outlook for it? I'd say right now the outlook is pretty good. It's not a guarantee of anything, but you know, if you're going to be in the running for these top 10, top 15, top 20 recruits, it's probably going to be a battle till the end with some heavyweights. But you want to be at the front of that, not kind of just, uh, we got the fifth official visit. And it seems like with both of those guys, Indiana's right there in the mix, probably in the top two. And now it's just up to them to close. And there's reason to believe if you get one, you have a better chance to get the other one. So I think Indiana's in a terrific spot. I'm not sure you could really be in a better spot outside of having their commitments. Um, so I think if you're looking for something to help soften the blow of Flory, uh, not picking Indiana, that would probably be the first thing that I would turn my attention to uh, is those two guys. Brian, any thoughts? Yeah, on I think. Yeah, or I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead go. You, you get that's a pipeline that you just want to keep using um, a lot of maybe Derek queen will help. Uh, what will help Derek queen is what renew does uh, in his second year and, and what, you know, um, Re- renew does because he's got that below the rim kind of game too. So, so what kind of gains is Malik going to have this year? How's he going to stretch his game? What What's he going to do a little differently? Uh, maybe, uh, that that'll help too, but you know, all I keep hearing about Derek Queen is his ability to pass, his ability to do multiple things uh, as a talented uh, player. And and Flory, while you want you you do want a guy like that, he still has a lot of that to develop. He's just a motor and, and a, a a high energy, explosive guy right now that has a lot of that skill to learn yet, and probably will. But Derek Queen has that. So I'm excited about the possibilities. But as you said, you got to sign on the dotted line. But, boy, you get those two from Mount Verde. And really, Renew had an okay freshman year. And Jalen Hood-Shafino had a really good year from from that program. So that, that's been a, a, a good connection so far in the Mike Woodson era. I'd like to see it continue. But, yeah, it, it's if you get Derek Queen – that that's a solid solid get. Um, so that that does more than soften the blow, to be honest. Yes. Yeah, I, I would say that both of the recruitments of Queen and McNeely, you know, look the same. I, and certainly, I mean, I think about a year ago, everyone thought McNeely was going to Texas, and everybody else was chasing. You know, it was it was a heavy favorite to Texas. Queen looked like a heavy favorite to Maryland, and everybody else was chasing. And now the script is kind of flipped, uh, whereas a lot of people think that Indiana might be in the lead for McNeely over Texas. I mean, obviously they had the drama there and Chris Beard's gone and all that stuff. So he might be leaning Indiana and queen. It's slowly morphed into this 
really tight battle from all by all accounts of Indiana and Maryland. Now, again, you're right. There's a long time until they have to commit. There could, you know, things can change. You know, these guys got might go back on forth on their decision 20 times, plus other schools can get involved. Um, but I will say that Indiana needs to pull some of these guys because if you look at their list of committed players right now, how's it look for 2024, Jared, right now? How many players does Indiana have committed for 2024? That'd be zero. Right. That would be zero. So you need to start banking some commitments because if you're trying to bring in four players all at once, it's incredibly difficult. You need to get one to commit and then you can concentrate your energy on the other three. And then yet another one to commit. You can go all in on those last two. If you're trying to do that with four guys while Maryland is all in on one and Texas is all in on one or whatever, it makes it much more difficult to land commitments, which is why it's great for these schools that land classes a year out, start getting guys locked in. They still can maintain those relationships and spend time on them, but now you're turning them into recruiters, recruiting other guys, and that keeps them connected. So that's that's the worry here is that we're going to get down to the wire and they're going to have to be shuffling four guys trying to get them, trying to fill, you know, however many guys trying to fill four spots as opposed to only needing one spot and you've got a number of guys to choose from. So that's the concern right now. I think they're in a good spot with a number of these guys, but they got to start stacking some commitments as soon as possible. And where I think you're absolutely correct is too, is the long-term recruiting. Uh, You know, Woodson's done a nice job of bringing people in in the portal, uh, of catching guys on the rebound when a coach leaves or something like that. You know, uh, Jalen Hood-Shafino was was a long-term recruit, but we've just mentioned that. So it'll be good to get a McNeely, to get a Queen, uh, to to kind of make sure that, yes, it's good enough to get in the final four of these teams or the final eight list, but you do need to eventually capitalize and be the one out of those lists uh, for these players to come to. Otherwise, now you're going to your second tier uh, after you've put all of that emphasis in, and, and there's nothing wrong with losing uh, to to some of these other schools. When you're down to the last two or three, we've said that for a long time, recruiting is you're not going to win every single one. And, and you know we got Mbako because we lost a, re- a recruitment earlier uh, yeah. with some guys that went to Tennessee who are now going to St. John's. So a, a loss in a particular recruiting battle is is not oh my gosh the world's ending, but there is a there is a concern that you want to see a pattern of being able to land class after class after class after class by building good relationships. It's year three. You now have no excuse. You've been in there. Year one, year two, you're the new guys on the block, whether you're good at it or not. Year three, four, you've been there a while. You should be establishing these long-term relationships. And if you are as good as we all think they are, you need to start landing some. And I think Indiana will. And look, it's also harder now to get early commitments from top 20 guys. They have more options. You know, They want to kind of wait and see. And I think especially for Indiana, where... You know, I think, Ryan, as you said, Indiana needs to start making some deeper NCAA tournament runs and having better records, you know, and so I, I can see, you know, guys, you know, maybe want to wait just a little bit and see how some of that goes. So, but this is important. You know, Indiana is going to have to land some of these guys and really build some momentum this year. I did misspeak, though. Indiana does have one commitment. It's the five-star to be named later who, you know, decommits next yeah, April. Next, that we end next up spring. Getting. So we know yeah. that'll happen. That's possible. around that guy. Yes. Yes. Um, all right. Next question. Oh, gosh, it's Phil again. 
you know, I guess we have to do two Phil questions since we were late. Um, so let's do Phil's second question here. Assuming the roster is as is, what is the floor and the ceiling for this team? And will Ja'Kai Newton redshirt? Let's take the second question first. I do think it's a possibility. Um, Ja'Kai was yeah. recently on the Hoosier Hysterics podcast. I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but I've read about it and kind of seen some of the things that, that he said and have talked to other people about Ja'Kai. You know, and there's, I don't think there's, I don't know if there's long-term concern right now with that, but it's just an injury that takes a little while to come back from and that has had some complications. Um, and so, you know, by all accounts, he's a ridiculously hard worker. A lot of the athleticism is there, but you know, how ready is he going to be for college basketball playing on that? No one has an answer. So this is probably the time to just say, you know, we just need to wait and see. I don't think anything is going to be revealed in the summer for sure. We need to get closer to the season and kind of see how the, you know, the leg is responding and, and all those things. So I do think it's a possibility, but it's very hard to handicap that possibility right now. As for the floor and ceiling for this team, Coach, I'll go to you with that first. What do you think is the floor and ceiling? <laughs> nice deflect. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the potential that has been brought in is is really solid. I mean, the athleticism, you know, from where and, and you know, getting Mbaco uh, and what we believe Banks and Gunn and those guys – but potential is just potential until it is actually realized. So what we want to see from these guys, uh, the ceiling, I think, is the same uh, as, as last year, a, a four or five seed, uh, a fir- um, top four in the Big Ten, so you play in a, in a tournament. I, I think because of all of the new guys together, I think that's the ceiling for this team. Um, you know, top 20, top 25 team. Uh, and I think that's a good third year, uh, with a chance to pop into, uh, you know, the sweet 16, that's the ceiling. I think the floor would be, you know, you don't think that this team yeah. has final I, four yeah. potential if things go well, second no. weekend, second weekend, no second really? weekend, too young, uh, I, all that athleticism and, and, is too young. And, and hmm. you got to put all the pieces together. Um, but that's you know, what you, the ceiling had, is if all the pieces go together, that's what I mean. Like I, I, I think I mean, he's I saying I think, what you I think said is a more saying, likely outcome. I'm yeah. saying like if everything goes together, because I mean I think with the talent that this team has, if it comes together, I mean I think there's a big ceiling. Now uh, I don't I, I, I don't think, think they're I think get there. Wouldn't second bet on weekend? It, okay. Second weekend. Um, uh, I I think you know the middle of it will be you know you're sixth or seventh in the Big Ten, you're a seven eight nine seed. And then the floor is you're struggling to make the tournament because all the you know pieces aren't fitting together. the The potential that we think it has not uh, you know been realized. X struggles when he comes back uh, to yep. to run the show and and find a thing. So I, I think the the floor is a bubble team. Uh, I think we've advanced to the point where I would be shocked if we're not in the tournament with this team and and where Woodson is in his third year. Uh, but I, I just think it's a second weekend, you know, top four team in the Big Ten type team, 22-23 win team. That'll be fun to watch. Um, but, no, I don't, I, I don't see – I don't think I can say Indiana's got the potential at its best to be a Final Four team. I, I, I don't see hmm. that. Interesting. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way as Coach. I think this is a, if, if all goes well. I mean, you have to remember that a lot of these guys have not played together very much. I mean, even the returning guys, some of these guys haven't played together very much. I mean, Trey Galloway and 
Xavier Johnson probably been on the floor the most out of these guys, I would think, just given that they've had multiple years together. But other than that, I mean, yeah. X has barely played with Malik, you know, and and guys like CJ Gunn never played with him. Banks didn't play a whole lot. So these guys are going to have to get used to each other, especially in, it's not just like new recruits coming in and no experience. I mean, you got the transfers coming in who have never been on the floor together and I've never worn an Indiana uniform and have never played in assembly. Hall. All of that takes getting used to, and you can work out as much as you want in the summer. You can run lines together. You can, you know, all of that stuff work out together, but it's not the same as getting into a game. And I think that's why they brought in a veteran like Anthony Walker, who's had some, you know, high level experience just to kind of, calm everybody down along with X. Um, I think if everything comes together and this team plays how it's capable, I, I do think it's a second weekend team with, I mean, look, you never know if you get a great match. let's say you wind up getting a matchup with a 15 seed, you, you can advance past that, you know, or, or whatever. But if you're just looking all things equal, um, I, I would say a second weekend team is, is what we're looking for is ceiling. And again, top four in the big 10, which is what you want. Look, your aim every year should be top four in the conference and a second week in the NCAA tournament. And if you do enough of that, you're going to finally eventually go past that. But your goal should be to get out of the first weekend in the tournament and then roll the dice. Again, matchups might work out for you. Indiana's due to have some good matchups in the NCAA tournament. At some point, I'm sure that'll come. Um, you know, get some luck with that. But I think that's what you aim for as a program. And I think that's all, what all the great programs ask for. Be in the mix for a conference title every single year. And get get out of the first weekend of the tournament. And after that, anything can happen. You know, if you get a, a favorable schedule, you might win the conference championship. If you, you know, get a favorable matchup in the 16 or the eight, you might go to the final four. And once you're in the final four, anybody can win it. I mean, it's all things equal. Anybody can win it. Stay healthy. Maybe you got a chance. Um, but I would say 16 and, and, and the four. And, and honestly, the floor for this team is, as coach said, struggling to make the tournament middle of the pack. Uh, and that's if these guys just don't come together and they don't yeah. fit well and they don't play well together and the coaching staff can't figure them out. The offense suffers as it has. Uh, the three point shooting doesn't come into come into focus. Um, you know, they lose some rebounding and a go to guy in trace. I mean, th those those are the things that that could go wrong. And certainly there's a there's. It's an, it's not like that's a remote chance. I mean, you you throw a bunch of guys together and don't develop the chemistry over time. And some teams have success with that. You've seen Kentucky make a run. You've seen Duke make runs, all of that. Yeah. But it's hard to do to create chemistry out of thin air. And so that's what this team has to do. That's what this coaching staff has to do to make this work and make this a su successful season. If it's not successful, you got to ask you got to ask some questions going into next year. Well, and the Sweet 16 is successful. Uh, I mean, it's hard to win Absolutely. college basketball. Absolutely. I mean, you get to the second weekend, you're ha I mean, I think that's a hell of a uh, an accomplishment for Coach Woodson Agreed. when you lose two two NBA players. Um, 100%. Uh, you had that's your a front line sport. that played together for 3 years. Uh, you you had I mean, the 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 top returning player from last year is Trey Galloway in minutes, I yeah. think. Uh, it is. And, and renew and, and you're bringing in a guy who had questions at Oregon whose talent is out of this world. I mean, uh, if, if Indiana gets to the Sweet 16, I think that's with, with replacing that. I mean, there, there are programs as well. Yes, I saw in, in the chat someone said uh, there's a lot of turnaround, and yes, and I think Woodson is poised to be kind of that coach that can manage this team a little better than some coaches can. 
in in bringing in new players. So that that. Uh, but if you get to the Sweet 16, and if you start building second weekends, yep. that that is yeah. that That's is what I'm saying, coach. And and get to say we lost two NBA draftees and two and did senior better. glue guys and are at our best going to be a Final Four. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, that'd be beautiful. But I think that's a long shot. But if you get to the Sweet 16 with all of that turnover uh, and taking a bunch of talent that needed to be boosted up, then you did a lot of player development. You did a lot of team bonding in the summer. I think that speaks just volumes. So I I don't look at that as a negative. I look at that as if everything goes well and we get to Sweet 16, that's a great year. Yeah. I think, you know, you see teams like uh, Illinois last year lost. They, uh, DeSumo left two years ago, and then the big guy left, and then they brought in a bunch of talent, and they were first-round exit, and they were a 7-8, seven, 7 seed, Michigan State 7 seed. I mean, I think Indiana could be there, and that's still not a bad season, uh, given the honestly, circumstances. Well, so, okay, honestly, here, so here's, here's what I'll say. Let me, no, say no, one, no, let me say one no. thing on this. It's the same. It's, it's just uh, building on the point that Coach said. Honestly, this year with the loss of Xavier Johnson – a Sweet 16 berth, you could have considered a successful season as well. So the Sweet 16 is yes. not bad. If you yeah, no one's there. saying no one's saying yeah. the Sweet 16 is bad. So, I think you guys are arguing a straw man here. I'm aligned with you <laughs> on a lot of the question marks. That's why I'm relatively conservative on what the team will actually do. You know, I think this is a team that's probably fourth, fifth, or sixth in the Big Ten that probably ends up five, six, seven in the tournament. Like that's what I think is most likely because of all the question marks. Um, and I think. You know, you tell me right now that we could have a Sweet 16. I'd be tempted to lock that in right now because I think that is the upper level. The only thing I think I apparently differ with you guys on is I think there's a real ceiling in terms of what this team could be late in the year. Now, because of all the question marks you guys said, I think competing for a Big Ten title will be very difficult because I just don't know that this team will be consistent enough because of all those issues. But if this team comes together, with you know two guys in Kalel Ware, McKenzie, and Baco, who are basically first round picks in every mock draft that you look at, you know Kalel a lottery pick in a lot of those drafts. You've got a six year point guard in Xavier Johnson. You've got a lot of talented bench pieces with length. I definitely think there's a Final Four ceiling with this team if they come together. Not saying it's likely, but I think I just maybe see a little bit more upside with all those pieces because if you get you know Ware going, you know I know we're all a little shell shocked by what he did at Oregon. But if Mike Woodson can unlock him and he's you know able to be that guy, it's going to unlock so many different things for this roster. And so, you know, I believe in the talent of this team. Now, there's still a ton of other question marks in terms of shooting and chemistry. I'll give that to you. But I think if this team comes together, there's a real Final Four ceiling. Um, yeah, we'll see. I I guess I just don't see a world in which it all goes perfectly because you know, and maybe that's. Well, in a vacuum, if all goes perfectly, maybe the ceiling is higher. But I just don't think that ever happens, so I can't take myself to that to that place of of where it is. Certainly, talent wise, yes, they could make a Final Four. I just don't think there's any world in which all of that talent gets realized before we kick off the season. You know, I think it's going to be a long slog to get everybody on the same page and to get all the guys to play well, the I way agree with you that. take a play. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I just think when you get in a tournament setting with the talent and length Indiana has, Indiana's going to – the other thing I like about this roster that we haven't had is Indiana has basically had one way to play, 
and it either works or it doesn't, but you know exactly what it's going to be. And I think they'll be able to play different ways this year. So that gives them a chance in a tournament setting to have a guy like Cole Ware that no one really is going to have an answer for, to have some other guys on the wing who can do different things. And so just the fact that Indiana will be able to play different styles is going to help them in the tournament. So, you know, we'll see. It's all theoretical right now. Well, You're right. It's unlikely that all those yeah. things come together. But I think there's just there's enough talent on the roster that if it does and you've got a six-year point guard to orchestrate it all, I think there's enough pieces there that you don't even need the bracket to open up. Indiana's going to be able to beat good teams. And it's just if they build the consistency by the end of the year to do it, I think they've got the talent that if they do that, they can win four games in a row in March. Yeah, I, I just... I guess for me, the ceiling is what do I think this team could reach at it at its best? And I'm like with Ryan, I, I don't know that everything ever pops together. I mean, I think I think I would agree with you if everything, everyone, you know, jumped to their best performance and they gelled defensively. Yeah, I, I think you could go to a Final Four, but I just think that is a, a super super long shot. Uh, I think this team at its best is that second weekend team. Um, I think they, they're going to have trouble defensively uh, gelling. I think that's big. A lot of times we don't talk about that as fans because we see what, yeah. what this person can do offensively and that, but to put five guys or eight guys together in your rotation and have them play defense uh, on a string and helping the helper and doing all that stuff as new guys playing together at the collegiate level. And, and defensively, uh, I don't have the Ken Palm numbers in front of me, but Indiana did regress a little bit last year, even with the veteran uh, team. And, and maybe that's because X was out and, and, and didn't huge. have the ballpoint uh, pressure uh, that he provides. So, yeah, I just, I, I guess I'm with Ryan. I just can't see where every single one through nine of the players who are going to play and all the team things can pop. Um, and I'm not going to set myself up to think that that can they can get to the final four and be very, very happy to be proven wrong on that. Um, but I think a set, I think this team can be a lot better than I thought in losing the personnel that we lost. All right. So from Kevin, he says, I've read where the prediction for IU this upcoming season, the big 10 is in the bottom half. So Kevin is now swinging to the other side or kind of, I guess in the middle of this question, since Phil did say floor and ceiling. But Kevin says, that sounds about right to me, but I will also be disappointed in that finish. Talk me off the ledge. So I think, Coach, you know, we all right there, I think, just explain the wide potential range of outcomes for this team. And that wide range is because there's a lot of talent, there's some experience, but then there's also a lot of new pieces. So that's why the range is so long. The reason why I don't fully buy into that, you know, floor, that look, if you have injuries and all that kind of stuff, anything can happen. I don't think that this team is going to hit the floor for a couple of reasons. One, Xavier Johnson. I think a six-year point guard, if he stays healthy, that helps you a ton. You saw what Illinois didn't have in missing that, and I think Indiana having that just helps provide a rudder. Now, we know X himself has been a little bit inconsistent, but he's still a six-year point guard. And then I just think over the course of a long season, talent wins out, and Indiana has a lot of talent and length. And I just think in a Big Ten conference – that has good teams and good coaches and good players, but not necessarily the same level of athletes that Indiana has now, that's going to help Indiana win some of those games in January and February. And so that's why, you know, a floor of 10, 11 wins. I mean, maybe it's a little bit below that, but I, to me, you know, I'd be shocked if Indiana won less than 50% of their big 10 games. And if you do that with their non-conference schedule, you're probably on the bubble. So I think the outlook is even a little bit better because I just think there's enough pieces there 
um, from an athletic and talent standpoint that you're just going to win some games in the big 10 because of that. Um, so that, that would be what I would say is this roster is really upgraded. It's felt like for so many years, Indiana had to go do their one thing perfectly to go win a game. And I think now Indiana has more ways to win basketball games, even if they don't have maybe the one thing that's quite as good as they used to have when it was working. So, and I think that is important over the course of five months. And that's why I think, you know, they'll probably end up somewhere, you know, in between, you know, where we were just talking in, in, you know, the, in terms of the most likely outcome. Any other thoughts to talk yeah. to our buddy Kevin off the list? Well, what, there's only, what, two games that separated uh, the second place through the, what, 11th place yeah. last year, too. Eight, so ninth some, or 11th? Yeah. yeah, some of that, uh, it's not just the roster that, that Indiana has, but it's also what's going to happen inside the league. Uh, you had teams pop up like Northwestern uh, that no one – no one thought, uh, right? And then you've had teams that are very talented that send players to the league in Michigan that have been eight and nine seeds for a couple years in a row. Um, so there's a heck of a lot of a talent. So talent doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be one, two, three, or four. Like you got to play well. You got to coach well. You got to play well. You, you got to be uh, gel together. Michigan hasn't done that. Illinois hasn't done that in the last couple of years. Um, you know, so that's going to be some of the key for Indiana to stay out of that bottom half. Uh, of the Big Ten by you know um, uh, by the end of the year, uh, I do think the roster is better as far as length and athleticism. I still think it is not a perfectly uh, set lineup. I, I still think there's some questions with. I know it's positionist basketball. I still operate in a one, two, three, four, and five just for who's going to play at, at kind of what spot. But you got you got some players that you want to be able to play as a wing that might be more of a forward. Um, positionless doesn't got, mean the pieces don't have to fit together. <laughs> the pieces right. still have to fit um, together. So if you have if you have three fours on the floor at one time, is that ideal for college basketball? I mean, you got to work with what you have. And one of the things I'm coming around this summer is understanding that the roster wasn't really talented, super talented uh, overall, that Woodson really had to work with some people. Um, he got some people that played hard, that bought in, um, but you need better athletes. So we have better athletes, but, you know, um, interesting today in CJ Gunn's media availability, he mentioned Banks as a guard, hmm. and he didn't mention Ambaco as a guard. So you wonder what they're, you know, uh, you, you you read a little bit into, okay, is he playing the wing? I, uh, I thought Mbako was going to play the wing. Is Mbako playing more of a four? I, I don't know what's going on, and that's just a player, you know, maybe forgetting to mention someone. Um, but those question marks of what's the rotation going to look like, who's going to play with the uh, – I still think there are those questions, and that's how Indiana falls into the bottom half if those questions aren't answered positively. Yep. Ryan, any other thoughts to talk Kevin off the ledge, or do you want to push him over? Kevin, I just put him back on the ledge. Uh, Kevin, relax. <laughs> These preseason predictions, you can't trust what you haven't seen yet, so they always dump the teams that lose players at the bottom unless they have – well-established transfers in and Indiana doesn't have that. So um, just relax, calm down, stop reading those magazines. They're just going to upset you. <laughs> stop listening to us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, don't. Um, all right. Valerie wants to know if we can discuss what Calbert Cheney's job entails. Um, and, you know, look, I think in every, 
with every staff, it's going to be a little bit different, right? It's like last year we were getting questions about Jordan Hull's role and he's, you know, the, I don't know what his official title is. Is it recruiting coordinator, director of recruiting, something like that. Um, and so people often asked us like, Hey man, do you think, you know, Jordan Hull's is working with Trey Galloway on a shot? And our answer was often, well, no, he's really focused more on the recruiting. And then sure enough, Trey Galloway comes out this year and says that Jordan Hull's had a big impact on helping him improve his shot in the off season. Um, you know, so I think you'll see, you know, a, when you get a guy in a program like Calbert Chaney, you're going to try and use him in as many ways as possible. Cause he's a guy who knows a ton about the game and who just has a strong impact on the players because of his presence and who he is and just the natural authority that he's going to have on that court. So, you know, his primary role is player development. And so he's going to be in charge of, you know, looking at players, individual skill level, figuring out, you know, and talking with the coaches, what they want them to get better at and what the system needs them to get better at and what will help them at the next level and then help put in a plan and help them execute on that plan to improve those skills. That is what a player development coach is going to do. But then, you know, he'll also, I'm sure, do other things as well, um, you know, with the coaching staff, uh, you know, in terms of just getting the guys ready to play. But I think that's the main thing is, you know, Indiana basketball very clearly wants to brand itself as a place where you come to win college basketball games and achieve your dreams. And you help us win games, we're going to help you get to the NBA. And so now they've brought in a guy who played in the NBA, who worked in the NBA, and who won a whole lot of college basketball games to basically be the face of that role. And I think it's great. And I think that'll essentially be what, you know, his responsibility uh, is, is to help prepare guys to do those two things. Anything to add? Yeah, I think that? I I think I I've just heard he's brought a level of competition that's even higher. I think Woodson challenges guys. I've heard that he gets he gets into practice and he is really you know telling people you know you need to play harder and and do this stuff and and he he brings a legitimate face to that player development. It, it's not just someone who's. Uh, been hired in from the outside he's played and he's been successful and he's been with with the league as a player and um, as a coach and the fact that he wants to come here I've heard nothing but good things uh, from the players through the players and uh, about him already in a, in a couple of weeks and CJ mentioned that uh, in his uh, media availability today that he had a relationship before he came down uh, when he was at the yeah. Pacers and that uh, he's just one of those guys that you know what you better listen to uh, he he's not going to BS you. He's going to tell you what what you need to do. So I just think um, he's he's perfect for that job. Absolutely perfect for that job. And Coach Woodson, that's part of what he's done well. Halls, those guys bring legitimacy to the program once the players are in here. Now I don't know if that helps with recruiting. Like some guy from Texas thinking Calbert Cheney's there. I'm going to go there instead of Texas. I hope it does. But once they get there, that, this guy's real. And if you're going to sweat uh, with people, you want to sweat with real people. Calbert's a real person. Uh, and, and so now that goes back to the ceiling question. Like there is a better chance that these guys develop when you have that kind of trust in the coaching staff, between coaching staff and players. And there's just that, I'm going to tell you like it is because I love you. Uh, I'm going to bust your ass because I love you. Uh, that's the vibe I'm getting from what I'm hearing this summer. And that's just, that's better than any workout video I can see is like there, there, there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears going on because they all want to be part of the same group with and achieve the same, uh, you know, successes. So I think Calbert's been great, uh, so far in that position. And I'll tell you the other thing that's great about having in particular Calbert and Woody and Jordan Hulls there is those are all guys who, had you know 
accumulated tons of stats, lots of personal accolades, won a lot of games. I'm pretty sure all three of them went into an NCAA tournament as a number one seed, right? I don't know if Woody did, but you know Jordan Halls did, Calvert Chaney did, but they've got that big thing missing from their Indiana experiences, which is winning a championship. And they can relay that to guys that no matter what you do individually, the most important thing here is winning. And when you get that message from those guys, given everything that they've done, that they did in their career at Indiana, I think it lands with even an extra level of importance. Uh, okay, let me see if we have any other good Indiana basketball questions here. Um, here, we'll use this one to transition into uh, kind of some other questions. This is from our buddy Chad, Chad Schwarzkopf. Woody has come up with the idea. He's presenting a hypothetical for us here. Woody has come up with the idea to play in the summer softball league at the Bloomington YMCA as a team building exercise. And he's put us in charge of placing guys in the field. Who's playing where current players and coaches are available to you. What is your starting softball lineup for the Indiana Hoosiers? Do you have any um, strong feelings one way or another based on <laughs> a guy's athletic profile, where he might play on the well, softball? Well, Kellel has to play first base, right? Cause he's the That's biggest guy. And yeah. is he, he's a lefty too, isn't he? No, he's a righty. No, he's a righty. He's a righty. But yes, uh, you certainly would not overthrow Kalel. Yeah, uh, if he's at first. Just gotta Renew, hope he can dig. Renews, Renew has think, to DH. Renews DH. I would, I would say DHing or he's your pitcher. <laughs> One of the two. Yes. Uh, or you can make him your catcher, and he could just be a tank back there. Nobody's 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 gonna bowl him over. So I like I I like Anthony Leal as the catcher because we've heard lots of stories about Anthony Leal's legendary trash talk. And I kind of feel like he'd be like Ham from the Sandlot and just kind of making little comments under his breath and distracting Good. people. I would say that or Galloway. So I'm putting Leal at catcher. He High or IQ Galloway. guy, all that. He or Galloway. Would See, be I would put catcher. Galloway at third base. He's like that crazy third baseman third. that, yeah. you know, quick. Long and, hair. Yeah. He's like we all agree X is, the shorts. X is the shorts. X and Gabe Cups is your Keystone yeah. combo. Middle sure. infielder. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, Center field then, is the biggest question. Well, if he's healthy, it's Ja'Kai Newton. I put I might put Galloway out there, do a little Jim Edmonds type situation yeah. there. See, I had He's Gunn, quick. Newton, and Banks as your outfield, and that's just incredible athleticism. Solid. Yeah. Where's Mbako, pitcher? I didn't have Mbako, but I could see him as a pitcher. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I don't know enough about him yet. I haven't seen him enough. To I could see CJ Gunn at third base. I could see CJ at third. Put Banks in your corner would be for me. I'd put Jakai in left. Galloway and Banks and right and Banks and right. Yeah, that's that's me. Yeah, I don't know who has the best arm. Whoever's got the best arm, I mean, throw yeah, them in right no field. Way, no. I don't know. Um, but Banks is your biggest, so you, you're going with a little Aaron Judge out there. It's, yes. Um, but right, yeah, well, fun, solid, solid. You know, mm-hmm. that's fun. Um, okay, here's another fun one. So this is from Tim. He says, in an alternate universe where Big Ten basketball teams are personified as pop stars, each representing different characteristics, what pop star would Indiana basketball be? Oh, for God's sakes. Okay, now. so Your choices in the run sheet are solid. (laughs) Well, okay. So the first one that came to mind for me when I read this question was U2. Because I was kind of trying to think of a band that was, you know, really popular, kind of more in the '80s. Maybe had some issues. They're, they're still and like, selling they're out. They're still around. Yeah, like they still sell out because they have a strong fan base, but they're not as culturally relevant. Which I, I one of your choices IU. on here is correct. Well, hold on. Okay, so that was that was my <laughs> that was my 
you know, first guess. So then I opened it up to some of our friends uh, and got some other answers. And so our friend uh, Galen, his first idea was Bruce Springsteen. He said, loads of boomer fans who rave about the live show being the best ever, even though it hasn't changed for 30 years, and the artist hasn't created meaningful new art since the 80s. He did do a Broadway show, though, that was a huge success. That yes. was just him playing all the... Yeah. And as Jay Horry countered, his the post-9-11 album that he did was also really good. Yes. So he had a little bit of a quibble with this one. Now, the next one that... Uh, Galen offered up was Phil Collins, this surprisingly is... huge in the 70s and 80s, then disappeared in the 90s, and now people barely remember him as being relevant. That is the correct so, answer. And really also, answer. it goes even further. He has one song that everybody <laughs> loves to talk about, just like the 76 team, and it's almost perfect. In the Air Tonight is almost perfect. Yes. And it is. In, it's the, in the Air Tonight is that 76 team. Absolutely. So that was a good one. And then uh, we also got from Chronic Hoosier, the Beach Boys. Huge back in the day. Their pristine image belies their estranged core members still playing their classic oldies, still selling uh, out venues for the Meadowwood crowd. So you see a theme here. <laughs> Artists that were very big in the 70s and 80s have fallen off in terms of general cultural relevance, uh, relevancy, but still have a very, very big and raving fan base that sticks with them to this. Yeah, day. I think Buffett so. is I think I think Jimmy Buffett is one that didn't make the list that could be considered because it still sells out every single time. And there is an aging fan base and yes. younger people don't understand the relevance. And alcohol is encouraged to make the experience oh more palatable. hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, all right. So that was a fun one. Coach, do you have any other thoughts on uh any other bands nah. or pop artists that you, that you think would be good analogs for IU basketball? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, no, Valerie says Steely Dan, and Valerie is a music That's historian. too obscure. That's too obscure for for just because Indiana was the thing. Indiana so was So it would have been number one for like two decades and then disappear. And Steely Dan still, you yeah, know. Disappeared. Largely, though, I mean, from, from national relevance, consistent national relevance, yes, they have. Yeah, fine. Still get talked about. But let me put it fine. this way. Also, if I will say this, if pundits on ESPN and all the other places were 10, 15 years younger, Indiana would not get discussed the way it does mm -hmm. because those people didn't grow up with Indiana being something to fear or be in awe of. So it would be a completely different conversation when people cover Indiana right now, when ESPN sends their broadcast crew or whoever sends a broadcast crew, they're in awe of Indiana to some degree about, remember all the greatness here and all the, and they name all the players. Well, if people 10, 15 years younger, what players are they naming that they grew up watching? So that's the difference, I think. And I think that Indiana gets looked at differently by a younger crowd. I really do. Need to start establishing that culture now. By the way, going back to the softball question, uh, our buddy Joel says Trey Galloway is the closer. Which I could certainly, you know, Trey Galloway is going to play all over the field. I could certainly yeah. see him He's a sprinting out, sprinting out with the hair flapping, some Metallica music going. Who's the pitcher? You didn't that. list the pitcher. I mean, I don't know. I've never seen these guys, you know, throw. I mean, Mbaco maybe, or I don't know. Or let Woody. We saw Woody throw out a first pitch. It was not good. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure who the pitcher is. It's, it's a difficult question to answer. Um, 
Yeah, Valerie says you weren't around in the 70s, so she doesn't think that you fully appreciate Steely Dan and how big they were. Oh, I appreciate Steely Dan. I like Steely Dan, but it's also not... I don't know. I felt like it had its version of an audience. It didn't, you know, it wasn't it was also the 80s. It wasn't around that much in the 80s either. They weren't around that much in the 80s, so I don't know. Um, okay. Let's see here. Um, so that was Tim's question. A good one. Ah, yes. Okay. So let's get to this question from Kathy, and this might be our last one, although I'll go check Twitter and see if we have any additional ones. So Kathy, she has specifically says that probably only coach can answer this. So that shows you what Kathy thinks of our opinions here, Ryan. Probably only coach can answer this. Today is my birthday and I'm cresting on the downhill side of my 40s. What's one piece of advice I should hear? You're on the spot, coach. One, pe- one thing. One, one piece of advice. One thing. Um Shavito! Follow your bucket. Yeah, follow your bucket list. Do things now. Don't 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 wait. Do do what you want to do now. And then quickly second is uh be concerned about your health before you have to. Boy, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. That is a really good one. Ryan, do you have any advice that you would offer to Kathy? She may not still take on it. The, she may not still be interested the- in it, but I'm I'm still on the lower end. Of, I I have no advice to give. I'm not there yet, so I can't. You know, that's true. <laughs> Pursue happiness as much as you can. That should yep. be your number one focus in life. Whatever makes you happy, pursue that. Don't worry about what anyone else will think. Don't worry about what anyone else tells you about your pursuit of that. If something makes you happy, go do it. That's a good one. That is good advice. Uh, let's see. We've got a couple other ones. What's up with Anthony Walker? Has he made it to Bloomington yet, or did I miss that? He is supposed to be there the first week of August, I think, finishing up some summer classes. Um, this was all expected, uh, and so he's you know on track to arrive when he was supposed to. Um, all right, here's one other question. If every player on the IU basketball team reaches their full potential, so Coach, I know this is something that you like thinking about, what would be your starting five? So, you know, the, he says, or Indiana Man 11 says, mine would be Ja'Kai, CJ, Banks, and Baco, and Ware, long and athletic. So I don't know how soon players are supposed to reach their potential. But, you know, given, given what would be reasonable, I guess, uh, you know, getting within reasonable distance of their full potential, what would be, like, what do you think is just the, 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 the best potential lineup if guys develop at their best possible rates? Well, I think well, X and Ware and Renew have to be in there. Uh, th- those three, Embaco, uh, right? So there, there's four, and then it just comes down to what you prefer. I, th- I think um, Trey Galloway's a better basketball player overall right now, so that's hard for me not to put him in in there. But I think either Banks or Gunn being able to be that scorer with length, if they automatically in one summer got to be their best version. I think CJ Gunn would have to f- have to be in that uh lineup somewhere. Um you know, you you could you could go man, it, it just depends on what what we see with Mbako and Renew. Um you know, th- th- there's six really good options I think to choose from. But I think if you just talk about that CJ Gunn would be your two um at at his top potential. Um, yes. And then we got several questions 
uh, asking us to tell the story of how the show started. Um, and that is a story that we have told multiple times and we do enjoy telling it. But I'm going to use this opportunity to plug our buddy's podcast, Matt Englert, um, who launched a show called Beyond B-Town. Uh, and he, you know, we were fortunate enough to be asked by him to be on that show, which we really appreciated the opportunity. Um, and we spent a lot of time on that episode kind of talking about how the show came about, you know, how Ryan, Andy and I uh, came together to host the show. Uh, I know someone asked if we knew each other at Indiana. We didn't. Uh, we all graduated different years, did not meet until long after that. And then Coach joined us. Um, so I'm going to use this as an opportunity to plug Matt's show, Beyond B-Town, uh, because the episode after ours, he interviewed Terry Morin and then also interviewed Jeff and Kathy uh, from Doing the Work. And he's really, you know, I've really enjoyed the episodes that I've listened to of the show and having, you know, people uh, who have been in and around IU sports, you know, in Bloomington kind of tell their stories. Um, and so if you're really interested in hearing kind of the more expansive answer to that question, I would recommend listening to that episode and I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but the podcast is beyond B town and there's an episode that's just titled the assembly call. And that's the four of us. And we spend a lot of time talking about kind of how it all came together in that story. Um, and so I would recommend giving that a listen and then sharing that show and subscribing to it. Cause it's a, a wonderful um, show and we really appreciated the opportunity to be on there. Uh, I think that, is okay last one what song not currently played by the marching hundred basketball band should be added to their repertoire or conversely what song currently in regular rotation should be tossed and this questioner says hint the answer to the latter is crazy train are there any do you feel strongly like ryan which which song from the Steely Dan collection would you like to? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's quite the vibe they're going for. Um, but honestly, we don't we don't hear the Marching Hundred play that often because we're not there. I know the season ticket holders know. probably know their entire repertoire, but I don't right now. Yeah. Um, we that's that's the thing we miss not being. Yeah. In the arena. So I don't know what they should add, or you know, because I could think of something, but it might be something they're already playing. But so I I don't really know. Um, I I love what they I love their work. Uh, I'm not really, uh, I don't, I don't have a problem with crazy train. I think, you know, kind of every sporting event probably plays that at some point. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wish I could answer that question, but I just don't know. Next time I go, I promise I'll, I'll pay closer attention to what, to the playlist and, uh, and we'll see. Coach, do you have any thoughts well, on songs you'd like to hear? Not, not particular. If I did, I'd, I'd want some just traditional basketball type music instead of something, you know, pop or new added, but I miss the fact that, um, they, they mix the band with some modern music. I have nothing against the, the that at all, but I'd much rather be at a venue where it was a hundred percent, the band, uh, playing during timeouts and, and those things. And I know there are revenue streams and commercials on the big screen that is way past where I was. And, and I'm, I do too much of the get off my lawn old man stuff as it is, but a little uh, bit, a little bit. Um, <laughs> and so I'm aware of my deficiencies of getting old and, and wanting to hold on to the older, older ways, but I'm a big band guy. Uh, I played in a high school band. I love the atmosphere that a good band. And if you travel to a lot of college venues, uh, the, the venues that get the crowd going, I think more, are, are that traditional band that has a, a, a traditional playlist that people know and, and clap along and, and see those things, those traditions matter. Um, you know, modernizing the game is okay and it has to be. And I, and, but the band needs to 
to play more than what it does, um, I think, in Assembly Hall. Valerie says, definitely Boogie Wonderland if we get Boogie Fland to commit. I'm down with that. I will take that. All right, gentlemen, any final thoughts before we uh, wrap up this week's episode? Thanks to everybody for the questions. Those were good, fun questions. We appreciate it. Hopefully you enjoyed some of the sillier ones here at the end. But, you know, it's July. Another week in the books. Another week in the books. I think we should do a trivia episode soon. Those are fun. I'll see when Chris is available. We'll get a good trivia. Okay, what do you think? Here's my last question for you guys. What do you think would be a good topic for trivia? Like I was thinking maybe TJD trivia. He did enough in four years that you could do, you could probably do trivia just Mm -hmm. on him if you're kind of remembering some of his, you know, performances throughout his career. But that could be too specific to carry a full show. It'd be a shorter event. It'd be a shorter, yeah, one. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, we could try it. We'd always try it. Maybe some some tiebreaker questions at the end that would be just about last year's team or something like that. Yeah, um, you know, just because it, it would be. Yeah, could do it. Maybe just on the two years of the Mike Woodson era. We'll think about that. Yeah. If you have ideas, tweet us. Let us know. Uh, Franciscan Fireworks says, "Can we submit some potential questions for trivia?" Yes, absolutely. Send them to us on Twitter. That would be... Uh, make sure you send the questions and the answers to me so I can make sure they're correct, and then I can... Yes, no, don't <laughs> do answer. that, whatever you do. <laughs> don't send and them to the other guys. I'm old, and I, my, memory is, my memory is bad. you got to send me some... <laughs> he can't even remember what help. time the show starts on Thursday nights anymore. Oh, my we got, goodness. We got 8.57. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's, that's awesome. Okay. Well, that is going to do it for us on this week's episode of the assembly call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording. Thank you to Bob Thompson for producing our music. Thank you to John ringer of rig design for designing our logos. Uh, and thank you for listening. We will be back next week to talk. IU hoops with you once again, until then, take it for me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. San Diego chicken All right. Oh, by the way, congratulations to Yogi Farrell, who I thought I, I think I read signed a contract with the Shanghai Sharks of the Chinese Basketball League. He's so going to make money. professional career continues. Uh, and Go make that someone, cash, Yogi. Someone said, hold on, hold on, hold on. Someone had an update on Anthony Walker, and apparently he's supposed to be there Monday per his Instagram. So there we go. Thank you, Leslie, for that. Yeah, I knew it was sometime around now. So he will be able to join. I will not be here next Thursday because it is my daughter's seventh birthday. So I will be hanging out with her. So we'll figure out what the show will be. Could be Andy and Ryan back. Could be a coach's corner. Who knows? We will see. Next week, uh, still up in the air for me, but it's it's definitely a possibility. So I'll, I'll let everybody know. I know you're all going to be I'm waiting. Gonna be on anxiously waiting. Yeah. <laughs> What's that shirt that you're wearing? Uh, it's just a lobster. Okay, I was wondering what that was. Yeah. Okay. Very nice. Coach. Families from the Northeast. They love lobster. There you go. Go finish your man cave. I want to see like a full panoramic view of it when you're done. We, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know why we decided to do it ourselves in the basement when we're hiring everyone else out, but yeah. we're we're just about done. You can have a special sense of pride when you know that you were the one who did it. Bond and a- Amy yeah. and I are still talking. So That's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> that is good. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for being here. We'll see you in the community. Coach and Ryan. Good night, everybody. Have a great night. See you guys all soon.